This episode of For the Love with Jen Hatmaker is brought to you by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. They can be big, difficult, even scary life things, and also small inconveniences that add up day after day. The thing is, when we keep them all bottled up on the inside and just try to grin and bear it, it can start to affect us and the people around us negatively. We may even isolate ourselves, which makes it even worse. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. This was the case for me when I was at the highest stress level in my life, where the stress was even having physical consequences for me. Therapy was a huge part of my healing journey to learn how to manage the stress. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash for the love today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash for the love. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. All right, everybody. Welcome to the show. I've come to love this little episode and even cherish it. I think this is our third year maybe to do it. This was my producer Laura's idea, which was to save an episode near the end of the year where I just talk straight to you. I don't have a guest. I'm the guest and I'm interviewing my own self today, I guess. And sort of like a look back over the year and what I've experienced and what I've learned and what I did. And I found it to be like a cathartic, lovely way to practice memory, to practice generosity and gratitude, really. I'm so glad you're here to listen. But honestly, this is just good for me as a person who care so much about my community and us being honest with each other and holding space for that kind of truth telling is, I, I think it's like a cornerstone of our entire community. And so that's what this is. So this is a strange time of year because it's grown into this major, like, sort of almost competitive sport on socials to just be like, like one of two things, like everything is great. And here's the highlight reel of everything and, and hip hip hooray. And then also here's all my goals for next year. Here's what I'm going to do better and improve on. And it's go, go, go and be better and do better and show up better and all of it. And it feels like a lot of pressure. (laughs) I, I know that the calendar is turning over a page. I know it, but it's still just life. Like we're still just living our lives and (laughs) we still have all the same stuff and all the same things to manage. And so I just want to tell you that officially here on this particular episode, I'm giving you a break. I'm giving all of us a break. I absolve us from feeling compelled to commit to the frenzy. Having said that, let me say this, and I mean this sincerely. This is, I am not being bah humbug because it's actually in my wheelhouse to, to sort of lean this direction too. It's, if that is your thing, if you're like, oh no, I want, I want the pizzazz. I want, I want the razzle dazzle. I want the big goals. Great. Like literally fantastic. I'm not joking. Like, yay. I love that for you. And as you know, I'm an Enneagram three. Like I never met a goal I didn't love. So I'm just saying, if that's your vibe, I bless it. I bless it. And if it isn't, I bless it. I'm going to drop down in the pocket a little bit for the next bit. 
and talk maybe a little more earnestly about life and growth and 2023. Also, you're still here. So go you, right? Bunch of stuff happened this year. I'm sure, no doubt. And here you are. So let's just be a little gentle with ourselves. If 2023 held some disappointments, even sorrow, even loss, and let's just leave 2024 alone for a minute. Okay. 2024 can handle its own life when it shows up on the calendar. We are not there yet. And so instead, I'm just going to take a look at the year. So one way that it helps me to do this and prepare for this episode is I just literally look back at my paper calendar, which you know I have, which you know I refuse to abandon. My paper calendar reminds me of what I did this year and where I went and what I experienced. I do want you to know something. I'm not trying to brag, but this year I did start putting appointments or activities or whatever you want to say into the iCalendar on my computer. And I share it with my assistant, Amanda. And I'm just saying, I'm like a really fancy CEO now. Now, if I'm being honest with you, I remember to put personal dates and times in there so she knows when to block my calendar. I'm going to say 30% of the time, which she knows because I get an email from Amanda every single morning. It tells me this is your day. Like this is your podcast. Here's the link to it. This is your uh, phone call. This here's the link to the, anyway, she gives me like, basically here's your day. Anyway, she still puts on my daily tasks, things like any personal things upcoming that I should note, because she knows that although I now have access to the iCalendar, I am not a faithful user. So anyway, baby steps, guys. As I'm thinking about what 2023 has brought to my life, I'm obviously thinking about you. I'm not always thinking about you, my listeners. Why else? Would we be here? I'm thinking of you. And so I know probably some of this is going to feel like, yeah, I remember that. Or we walk together through it because I share my life with you in a really, you know, huge way. And so I know we've experienced a lot together, like in my personally, but also in this world, in our country, in our culture, internationally, I think we're kind of collectively holding quite a bit and trying to figure out what it means, I don't know if this is too reductive, but for me in general, I'm just trying to figure out what it means to do good in the world and be a good neighbor and leave something of a loving a loving legacy. More or less, everything kind of uplinks to that. And so... With that said, I can talk about the very beginning of 2023, because one of the things that I've done maybe for eight years, at least, at least that, I think it's actually more, right around the first week of January, I have a group of girlfriends that we live all over the place. We used to live in different countries. There were some of us in the U.S., and we had Canada and we had Haiti. One of us was in South America. So these girls are, some of them are authors and teachers or speakers. And that's kind of how we found each other. We found each other through writing and we were writing books and blogs and all of us love the written word in a way that you just have to, if you make it your life and living. And we connected on the internet via each other's work. So we were just each other's consumers and we became dear and close friends. And we decided years ago, you know, cause the internet can make girlfriends out of people and does that we wanted to get together. And that's the week we tend to block off four or five days. And we just take turns going to each other's homes really like where they live this year we're going to be in California with our friend Jamie and last year we were in Austin so these girlfriends are they just are special and they occupy a special place in like my friendship heart 
So it's my friend, Sarah Bessie and Kristen Howerton and Sarah Goodfellow, Jamie Wright and Tara Livesey. And it's so funny. It's almost like the anti New Year's Eve resolution, which is like, okay, this is it. The calendar now says January, everybody buckle in. It's time to do this laundry list of like new big things, right? It's kind of like go mode. And we're like, the hell it is. Like 2024 is just going to have to calm down and take a seat because we're going to spend a handful of the very first days of the year hunkered down together somewhere. And that time is really precious. And all of us couldn't make it at some point or another, but we try and we usually do. And so that time has become really cherished. And we do exactly what you think we would do in terms of like talking for 10 million years and solving problems and telling each other stories we've already told each other, LOL. We spend a handful of hours processing each other's work at whatever stage it's at that year. So sometimes it's, I'm writing right now and I need some feedback. Sometimes we are getting prepared to launch a book, in which case we all just sort of turn to Sarah Bessie because she's, I mean, the dearest, like, Jesus-y little Canadian, but she has a brilliant brain of a world-class marketer. Or we're like, let's talk about your staff, like what's working and what's not working. Do you need to make any changes this year? How can we like help you figure out process and language for that even? Sometimes it's, you know, this is a work opportunity I have. I'd like to process it with you and think, is this a good fit for me? Do you think it's a good fit for me? You name it. I mean, you absolutely name it. And we put the little puzzle pieces of each of our lives in front of each other and try to fit it all together. It's brilliant and it's profound. And at every single gathering, we we laugh too much. We laugh too much until we cry almost every year. But And then we also shed tears together. We process our grief together, sometimes new grief, sometimes old grief. But it is truly a treasured time. And of course, we're doing that again this coming January. Like I mentioned, we're going to be in beautiful California this year. And so that's how I started 2023. I was noticing looking back that friends played a huge, huge role in my life this year. As you know, they always do. I just live my life with my friends. Like they are not a side category for me in terms of anything, people, affection, prioritized relationships, time, they're centered and always have been always, but particularly so after my divorce. And I'm thinking about my friends here now, because I'm about to transition to a couple of trips we took this year with my, my home friends, <laughs> the ones that I live literally the next door to. We're really, I don't know if you and your friends are like this, but we're very affectionate and generous with our words to each other. I'm not sure that we were always like this or that we were always good at it, but the older we get, the more I think I am realizing that our adult friendships is a love story. Like it is a love story as important and true and profound as any romantic story or a marriage. It's, it's just as, just as precious. And so we spend a lot of time telling each other how much we love each other, how much we appreciate each other. We are each other's hype girls in every way. I mean, in just absolutely every way, almost obnoxiously so. When we get going, <laughs> it's best just to walk away. Like just, we are all talking over each other at once and yet nobody misses a word, catch it all. We grab every thought by the tail. We both listen and talk all at once. It's an incredible skill set. Certainly overwhelming to watch, but from the inside of it, I can tell you, we know exactly what everyone is saying. But So we did a lot of special things this year. The girls came to visit me at me camp. More on that in a minute, because that deserves its own bit. And so we spent some time up in New Jersey this summer. 
we took a huge trip, like a we'd planned it for over a year and saved for it trip to Europe. We did the river cruise down the Rhine river. All the, the men came and I, it's just such memories. Like just, I'll just never, I mean, you don't forget that, you know, that's just, that's not the kind of thing that you just kind of go, Oh my gosh, I forgot that we had gone and did a river cruise in Europe down the Rhine river is so memorable and so beautiful. And everything about that was fun. The boys, but Tyler, particularly, I'm telling you, I don't think he even knew where we were going. And I'm not, I'm not joking. Uh, he, I'm not, he was like, so is it like one country? I'm like, oh my God, this is like with four days to go. Meanwhile, the girls and I had spent, and this is not an exaggeration, 20 zillion texts for three months talking about what we were going to wear, what we were going to pack. We helped each other pack. We did a thing this year where we laid out all of our clothes that we wanted to bring and then went to each other's houses and mixed and matched them all together. Had the person like try on their clothes, including shoes. I'm talking everything like down. And then when we had a combination that that person liked, we took a picture of it. So we ended up having each one of us, this little portfolio of outfits. So when we got there and unpacked our stuff, we're like, I would just pull up my outfit portfolio every day. I'm like, oh yeah, I already know what I'm going to wear. I we practiced it. And yes, that was completely over the top and unnecessary and super helpful. We went through it and I ended up not packing nearly as much as I think I would have if I was just going to Helter Skelter. So anyhow, that was just a sidebar. If you ever want to borrow that, it was really, really fun. I was calling it the, the tutorial and it took about an hour per person in their home. And so anyhow, we did that. And then a whole bunch of internet friends went on a cruise with me just last month. It was the first gen hat maker cruise we'd ever done. Literally had no idea if anybody would come. I, I promise you, like when the ship was like, you know, how many spots should we reserve for your community? I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I brought a bunch of my women, my daughters, my mom, my sister, my sister-in-law. I was like, I don't know if anybody's going to come or not. So we had 200 spots because they had to just like eventually give us a, give us a number and 200 women came. And so we took a cruise out of Galveston and it was just delightful. It was really just delightful. I am so in love with my community, with my online community. And it's just been such a source of almost entirely joy for me. Yes, the internet is stupid. And there's always some people that sneak in there. But for the most part, our online community is just delightful, funny and smart. So encouraging, not just to me, but to each other. I mean, so having a chance to take a trip and invite people to come with me that were, you know, people just in the community and that was so fun, you guys. I don't know what I was expecting. I didn't know how, I didn't know what I was expecting, to be honest with you. But it was just such a good time. And I think everybody had a really good time. And a ton of people met new friends there, walked away with new friendships. And anyhow, I just loved that so much that we're going to do it again next year, for sure. We're going to take another cruise. Oh, this year, big fail, you guys, huge fail. And I'm telling you, I did not even notice that we did this until a couple of weeks before when my friend Megan, who was coming with me, who has little kids was like, Oh, wait, we're leaving from Galveston on November 1st. I'm like, yeah. She's like, okay. But the day before is Halloween. Like we can't miss Halloween. I'm like, Oh my God. What did we do? Because people had, we happen to live within driving distance of, of Galveston. So they just came super late and got there at midnight. But I'm like, oh my God, people have to fly to Galveston. What if, and we did it on Halloween. What about the young moms? Blew it. So next year we're leaving on November 2nd. <laughs> so, so sorry, everybody. And we're leaving out of Fort Lauderdale, pretty sure. Yeah, we're leaving out of Florida next year. It's a it's a different cruise and an additional port, which is fun. You get to be in a fun town. Anyhow, we're going to also open up more spots because 
those we picked a random number and they all got snatched up. We're like, well, let's do bigger. Let's go more. So anyway, I'd love to have you next year. If you've got plenty of time here to like save for it and sign up for it and November 2nd through November 6th, that's what it's going to be next year. And so, so fun. Okay. So also if you're into books and reading, in addition to the incredible community, we had a really good year in the Jen Hatmaker book club. We read so many good books. We started out in January with a compilation book about Ruth Bader Ginsburg in her own words. And it was a collection of her speeches and writings. And it was fascinating. And our biggest month of the year was February when we read Emily Nagoski's book, Come As You Are, which is a book about sex, nonfiction, as in come as you are. I mean, very on the nose. That was the month in book club. We onboarded the most amount of new members. Shocking. We laughed so much because we're like, listen, the community has spoken loud and clear. Anyway, just a, incredible books, incredible women, just an incredible community. And so if you're still like, man, I'd like 2023 to hold a little bit more connection with the added bonus of reading, reading so good for us. It's good for our minds. It's good for our imaginations. It's cathartic and nourishing and nurturing. So come on in. We'd love to have you. So this year also I'm 49. I turned 49 in August and in the spring, I remember feeling thinking like, what's going on with my body? (laughs) What's going on with my body? My period was irregular and then missing for a while. And then it came back. Then it was weird. I was just in a absolute spiral of bad sleep. Just couldn't get that nut cracked. My body felt funny. It was responding in a strange way to everything I was just eating and digesting and I was so inflamed. I felt so like bloaty and swollen. And I'm just, and then for me, the worst of it was this sense of brain fog. I am high capacity. I'm a high capacity person. I, I just am. I, I love work. I'm a hard worker. I'm able to spin a lot of plates at once. Generally, I, I can have a lot of tabs open and be toggling back and forth between them. I'm just a productive person by nature. And so it was so strange. I felt like I couldn't handle anything. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but it wasn't just that I couldn't remember things, though that was a part of it. I couldn't seem to hold on to all the pieces like I normally do. They just kept slipping through my hands and I was feeling like overwhelmed and tired and fatigued and behind the eight ball. But I I felt It was the sense of, I can't handle all this. And that's not a feeling I'm accustomed to. I I am a, I can handle this type. And so just all of a sudden feeling like I can't can't keep all my friendships up in the way that I want to. I can't, I can't handle the kids in a way that I want to. I'm, I'm feel stuck in my work. It was really overwhelming and, and for a while confusing. And so I took it to the internet. I took it to you. I cannot tell you how many problems y'all have solved for me over the years. Can I mean everything from I'm in this city, where should I eat? To my body is behaving strange. Can somebody help me? And it was really the internet who said, Jen, wait, how old are you? And I'm like 49 or 48 at the time. And they were like, this sounds like perimenopause. And you're right in the pocket for the age group. And I was like, ah, perimenopause. That's what it is. So I went to a functional doctor, again, on recommendation from the community. And we did this massive blood workup, like nine vials of blood. Didn't enjoy that, but, and then literally tested it for everything, every level, every indicator, everything going on in my body. And it was so telling. I was super deficient in quite a handful of places. My hormones were off and imbalanced. I was low testosterone. I had signs of Hashimoto's, which is like thyroid stuff. Vitamin D was like zero. My cholesterol was high. I did not know that. There was just 
all this stuff. And those are all perimenopausal symptoms. My inflammation markers were off the charts. And so my functional doctor was like, okay, because she gives me this huge diagnostic with then, you know, here are supplements or whatever, even like lifestyle changes to like address each thing. And it was so overwhelming. It was like eight pages. And so I asked her, I said, okay, I can get all this, but I need to process it. And I am a person who I'll get there, but I need a minute to get through all this. So I said, in the meantime, while I'm going through all this and sort of prioritizing, can you just tell me out of all this stuff, looking at my charts and seeing what, where my body is, what are the top three slash first three things that you think I should absolutely employ? And she was like, oh, the first one is so easy. Just like based on your blood work. And also I have an autoimmune disorder. My hands, I have a thing called Dupuytren's contracture. It's a, it's autoimmune. It's my, if you're watching this on my YouTube channel, you can kind of see like my pinkies contract in like this. And then I have to have surgery. I've had surgery twice on this hand, but anyways, it's autoimmune related. And so she's like, between your autoimmune and your inflammation and your, the rest of your blood work, you should right away, like yesterday, go 100% gluten-free. And I was like, why did I come here? Why? Why did I give her any of my money just to be that mean to me? So in May, I went gluten-free. I'm so sorry to report that it had a profound impact on me. I didn't want it to. I was like, please, Lord, let this not work. Let this not be it. Like, please, I want to, I want to have tried this and said, oh no, it made no difference at all. And I could go back to bread, but it did make a difference. And so that's unfortunate. So I started, I went gluten-free. I started Pilates in May. Apparently guys, I know this is earth shattering. This is groundbreaking information I'm about to tell you, but apparently it is good for our bodies to move in any way exercise and strength training and core work. And apparently that's good for us. Also, it's highly linked to the reduction of perimenopausal symptoms. So since what I had done thus far in terms of working out for quite some time, it was simply like going from my office chair to the kitchen to get water, my office chair to the kitchen to get lunch, And don't forget, I typed a lot. So my fingers were in strong working order. As for the rest of me, God bless. So I started Pilates in May too, and I love it. I go all the time and I can feel, I know, I can tell. It's not a huge like scale difference or whatever. It's not a weight loss thing, but I can tell in my body I'm stronger. And my body composition has, is just kind of slowly changed a little bit with that much movement. And so Pilates, I started a whole bunch of supplements that I just feel better. And so that has been a health journey for me this year that I'm proud of and glad I have taken on. I'm just, I turned 50, you guys in 2024, like I have to care. Uh, this, I have to care. I have to do better. I cannot just treat my body like a garbage pail all the time and expect it to function. And so those changes have made it just kind of a big difference, honestly, in the way I look and in the way I feel for sure, the way I'm sleeping anyway. So that was a big part of this year for me. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Guys, it's already allergy season in Texas. My yard is in full bloom and all the things are in the air. So I decided allergies will not win this year. So I tried Astapro. It has improved my nasal allergy symptoms and it's faster, bro. Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It is the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. So get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go, you guys, today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. 
Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Astapro and go. Let's talk about Tyler for a minute. If you, I guess, just turned on this podcast accidentally and you've never heard of me, (laughs) Tyler is my boyfriend and we started connecting. Like we actually met in November of 2021 and then spent about six weeks sort of randomly texting each other just enough to kind of keep that channel open. And then right around Christmas of 2021, so about six weeks later, it just, something just shifted forward. He was at his house, his parents' house in Las Vegas, and I was here. And all of a sudden our texts were every day because they weren't, they were once or twice a week. They were every day. And then they were a little bit longer. And then it just was like, wait a minute, what's happening? And it was right around that time we got on the phone for the first time and talked for a very casual four hours, very casual while I walked around the backyard. And that's when lightning started striking. And so we, well, I mean, I don't know how else to say it. I'm sorry for this is, I don't know how else to word it, but we fell in love. (laughs) We did. We fell in love long distance on the phone on a bazillion hours of FaceTime. And I love that. I love that for us because all we had was talking for a while. He lives in Nashville. I'm in Austin. All we had was talking and we talked and we talked and we learned so much about each other and we told each other everything. So that started in Christmas. And then I saw him for the first time in mid-February. It wasn't the first time. It was the second time we actually met in New York, but we met randomly. And so that was my first time to see him again, but in a very different mood, (laughs) a completely different capacity. And that was February of 2022. And so we're right now coming up on the two-year mark of being together. And I could just, I don't even know what to say. You know, I was married for 26 years and I expected to be married till I was dead. And so all of this is unexpected and all of it is off the route that I had planned and that I was walking. But what a delight and what an unexpected joy he has brought into my life. I'm so thankful for him. And our relationship is lovely and it's easy and is so connected. We've had to really forge a healthy relationship long distance. And I'm just telling you, I don't know if you've ever been in a long distance relationship. I have not, but it requires you to work in a way that you either wouldn't or wouldn't have to, if you lived in the same place. But because we don't, we really have learned, had to learn about clear communication I've gotten this right and wrong about saying what we mean, saying what we need, saying what we're feeling, thinking deeply about each other's day and life and rhythms. And I'm at the place where I can really say I'm grateful for this. We've had to learn some really important relational skills in a quick amount of time, simply by virtue of distance and it's made us better, but we did travel this fall. We did a little tour called dream again together. You know, Tyler is an author and he's an activist and he came up through musical theater. So he's very like theatrical. He's very performative and he speaks a lot at events. And so it was so fun to do this joint tour together. And he just, comes and brings to the table his special brand of magic, which is so delightful in a room. And just getting to watch him do what he does was wonderful for me and and to partner with him like that. And then of course we had time together on stage and our chemistry is special and fun and funny. And 
it was so lovely a time that we were like, we're going to do it again. We're going to do some more events in the spring. So pay attention for that because hopefully we'll come to your city. But we just shared such a special night with the the men and the women that were in the room with us in the various cities we were in. And that's just special, just a very added layer of beautiful connection between us. It's not that I have to marry somebody who's a communicator for a living or a speaker or an author. That's not, but that we understand each other's work so much that we have had a very similar arc to our faith. And about the same time where we both sort of began examining pieces of the faith that we were handed as kids and deciding what was good and true and worth keeping and what wasn't and and then rebuilding. I am so grateful that we have that in common because we've talked for 20 million hours about everything I just said. And he's good for me and we sharpen each other, but mostly he's just delightful and he loves me really well. And I just didn't expect to ever say that. Can you just imagine what in the world? I am still like, I'm someone's girlfriend. What in the whole earth? You know, hell, I am 49 years old. I am a girlfriend, but I love it. And I love him. And worth noting, if you are interested, you know, he's never been married, has no kids. We're so opposite, you guys. It's just too much. It's too funny on paper. Like me, white girl, married for 26 years, literally five kids, the oldest of four kids. And then here's Tyler, this tall black guy with dreads, only child, never married, no kids. He's a vegetarian for God's sakes, doesn't drink. Has like no vices. It's very frustrating. We're just so different on paper and yet alike in all the ways that matter. Oh, anyway, my point was this. My kids all really, really like him. And that is saying something. If you know, my kids are ages 17 to 25. If they don't like something, you will know it. <laughs> you just, you'll know it. Whether you've stepped wrong, they'll let you know that real quick. Or they don't like something in your world or they don't like someone in your life. There's no faking it with kids that age. And all five of my kids really like Tyler. And he's so good with that age group. He's just... He's perfect. And so my family likes and my friends, it's that matters, you know, that matters. And so I'm grateful to have found love at this age and I'm better right now than I've been. I'm just better human because of the losses. I hate that calculus. God, I hate it, but it's true. And so I'm wiser and more careful and more responsible. I'm more tempered. Like, I think I could probably safely say I'm a better girlfriend than I was a wife because I've grown and I've taken ownership of my own stuff. If I was unwilling to sort of confront and examine and work on the parts of me that needed renovation, that needed a second look that were hard or unwise difficult. That's on me. I'm going to walk that into whatever relationship I have. And so I did a lot of that work before Tyler. And then he, I mean, let me tell you, there's some things you simply cannot learn until you're in another relationship. Some of the relational dynamics, some things about conflict resolution, certain things about just communication in general, and a sense of transparency between two people. Those were not things I could practice on my own. So I worked on whatever I could figure out on my own. And then being in a relationship with him has been a practice ground for all those schools, particularly long distance and across quite a few differences that aren't nothing. It's not nothing, the differences that we have. They're not insurmountable, of course. And in a lot of ways, they make our relationship the beautiful thing that it is because we are complex people and bring so many interesting dynamics to the relationship. But I have definitely gotten some things really right there and some things really wrong. And one way that I notice that I've had growth 
in conflict resolution, which is not my best thing. I don't like conflict. I'm avoidant in general. I have an avoidant personality. And Enneagram 3 is very much like that. It's not that we always live in the top half of the glass, but we prefer to live in the top half of the glass. And when we aren't, we act like we are. So hard things, real things, true things, even bad things I've always struggled with. I assign outsized meaning to it. Like, oh, this is this is catastrophic. It, it's now it's doomed for failure. You know, if if it is this wonky, then it's probably fundamentally flawed. And I catastrophize around conflict. But I've noticed growth here, particularly with Tyler. I see it with Remy too. You know, Remy's my youngest kid and she lives at home. And so I get a lot of practice with her as well. But when I we have gotten sideways and Tyler and I almost never do. We we don't major on minor things. We really don't. But we've had a handful of moments where we got on opposite side of something or just wasn't communicating clearly or felt unheard, whatever. You know about you know about relationships. And I felt that familiar feeling. I learned a lot of this in therapy and just through a lot of work I've done, but I feel that feeling. So for me, when I am in a conflict, I carry it boom right in the middle of my chest. And it, it's, I feel it physically. I physically feel a little like I'm burning kind of in my chest a little bit. And I have such a strong, like physiological response to conflict. So historically, like when I was married, that feeling is so uncomfortable and it pushes me into this fight or flight space in my brain in which I also have a tendency to see all of this as one-sided. It makes me feel like I've been pushed into a corner and that I am being wronged, which is sometimes true, but not always. And so historically, my response was to shut down and to become super avoidant and just disengage until it could pass. At which point, like when the when the feeling of my chest passed, I could kind of come back and engage the conversation. But in the moment, I never could, which is incredibly frustrating. Incredibly. I can, I'm trying to imagine what that would feel like if you're trying to solve something and your partner literally won't engage it. So... I know that that was mine to work on. And I've noticed with Tyler on the few occasions that we get in that place and I feel the feeling, but I've learned it. I know, I know that that feeling will pass. It is not permanent and it's not even necessarily entirely true, whatever that feeling is telling me. And so I was recently able to kind of just sit in it and take some really deep breaths and just be like, I just need a minute. Just give me one minute and like kind of let that feeling move through me and then helicopter up and out of my panicked like lizard brain where I was in fight or flight and access the the deeper part of me that can go, okay, what did you actually hear? Are you telling yourself a story? Are these words you actually heard? Or are you inventing them? Or what did he actually say? Like don't assign words that he didn't say or meaning that he didn't mean. Some of those just like analysis tools And I was able to kind of walk it back almost in real time and say, "Mm, I'm noticing that I felt anxious about this because I, I was anxious about something before and I've let it grow into something in my heart. And so now I'm using it as a board to pin other things too, but it's not, it's not about this. It's about something else. And so right in real time, we like grabbed it by the tail and wrestled it to the ground and talked through like, even bigger ideas. Like we even went up one level above it. Like, well, why, what is it that is causing you to keep anything in your heart and telling yourself a story that begins to grow until it comes out sideways while we're sitting here eating salads. I'm like, Hmm, let's go one level deeper. Why did I bury those in the first place? So anyhow, growth is slow, but I always feels important to name it when you see it in your own self, when you're like, okay, I didn't handle that perfect, but it's better, you know, or I see me applying some of the tools that I've amassed to make this a healthier conversation than it might've been six months ago. 
So anyway, I guess the point of the story is if you need practice with like relational communication, just get a boyfriend, get a boyfriend in your late forties who doesn't live in your state and uh, you too can get better. (laughs) Anyway, Tyler is special and a huge part of 2023 and the kids too. My kids had big years. We had big things happening this year. Like Remy got back from a semester abroad in Spain. She did a foreign exchange program the first semester of her junior year last year. Can you believe that? I never had the courage to do that. Never. And so it wasn't a perfect experiment, but now I know nothing is. However, I mean, she'll always have it. She'll always have this experience of living in another country for half a year when she was 16. I was really proud of her. Gavin turned 25. He's my oldest and he got engaged. You guys, we have a wedding in 2024 in March. And I just, it feels bonkers. It feels bonkers, but I'm so excited for him. And I love his fiance, Danielle, and they're so good together. They're just right for each other. They're so right for each other. And that is coming up. Mother of the groom. There it is. Sydney graduated from UT in May. She's got her degree in journalism. She's a very gifted writer, really, really good. And she has been for a long time. And so I don't know where her skills are going to land. Journalism is a hard place right now and a really complicated career path in the day of 24-7 news outrage. And it's hard to hang on to journalistic integrity in our culture, but her writing skills are so beautiful. She really is a creator with words. And so I, I look forward to her future and what she's going to contribute. She's got such a thoughtful brain too. So Caleb turned 21. It's a biggie. And one thing that's real cute so far, all my kids, when they turned 21, wanted their party to be here at this house with their family. (laughs) It's so ridiculous, but I love it. They're like, yeah, for, for my 21st birthday, I want my mom. I want my grandma and my pops. I want my aunts and my siblings. So hilarious. So for Caleb's 21st party, we rented a huge inflatable adult water slide and put it in the backyard and It was just such a rowdy, funny time. All of us, like all the olds, racing the youngs and having just an absurd competition. There were injuries. We had three injuries and that's just to be expected. Like, don't cry about it. This was a, this is a fight to the death. We, We compete in this family. And then Ben turned 20, started his sophomore year at Texas State, which is just south of here half an hour in San Marcos and just doing great. He, he was born for this. He's born for college. He's taking it so seriously and learning so much. And he's so ambitious. He has so many big dreams and I believe every one of them will come true. (laughs) So he's just working hard. I see him less this year, which is a big thumbs down. He's only 30 minutes away, but last year, his freshman year, he lived in the dorms, which meant he was home almost every weekend. But this year he's in an apartment And I'm sending him desperate texts like, but where are you? But when are you coming home? But what are you having for dinner? Um, What are you doing today? It's very needy. And I feel it. The kids continue to bring me just so much joy. If you don't have kids who are young adults yet, it's hard to explain how much fun they are and how much you're going to love it. It's like a miracle to watch your kids just grow up and be so smart and interesting and responsible and starting to build their own little lives out there. And it's just marvelous. It's just marvelous to watch. And I enjoy them so very much. I like who they are. It's fun to watch them become friends. That's happening right now, as most of them are in their 20s, their their early 20s. I remember this happening with my siblings too. I remember as we transitioned into friendship about the same age. So just knowing that they call each other and just 
shoot the bowl all the time and they have a group text without me and they do sleepovers at each other's houses. And I just, you know, that's the stuff of dreams for me. I'm really close to my siblings and we live a lot of life together. And I always wanted that for my kids too. And there was just a moment, of course, when they were all younger and living under the roof where I just thought these animals hate each other. They're outraged. They're never going to be friends. This is all they do is fight and bicker. And then, you know what? Just like every generation before them, they grow up, they move out, and their relationships change. That's how it was for me. Gosh, are you kidding me? I fought with my sister's tooth and nail. So I'm enjoying watching my kids be grownups. Remy, as mentioned, Caleb is back home temporarily. I'd like to call that being in triage. I'm triaging him. So he's here and Remy's here and her best friend is living with us this year. That's been something that's been common to our family story for a lot of years. We've, we always already have five kids and we've had quite a few extras who lived with us for a certain period of time. And, and that's true of this year too. So Remy is a senior and just a lovely kid. And we're having to sort out our relationship in a different way. I've, when the big kids were her age, there was just so many other kids in the house (laughs) and there was another parent in the house. And so the energy was just different. So now with her being the only one here and I don't have a partner and there's no other kids, you know, Caleb is kind of here and kind of not. He lives in the garage apartment. And so I'm just noticing that I have, I can notice everything she does more because there's just less going on. There's less kids in the house. There's less other things to worry with. And so that has been interesting for us to navigate our communication and our level of involvement in each other's lives and engagement. And it's so strange. I was the oldest kid. So I, when I moved out, I was the only one who had ever left. And when I came home, everyone was still there, just like normal. So it felt normal. So I'm learning through Remy's experience what it feels like in a big family, particularly, but really, I guess any, to slowly like lose your siblings like one at a time to college and to moving out. And it's sad for her. And it is strange. It is weird to be back at the house where the family shrinks every other year. So strange. So the babies of the families who are listening right now will get that. You'll remember as your family kept shrinking and then you changed dynamics with each kid that moved out. You know, you you do. It changes the way you are relating to other people in the house. Anyway, this is my first time I ever experienced that. And it's in some ways great because Remy and I have a lot of one-on-one time together. And in other ways, it's really hard. It's just kind of lonely. And there's, we're just looking at each other like, well, I guess I'm going to overpay attention to every single thing you're doing. Cause I don't have any, there's no other kids to take up my attention in the house today. Anyhow, I'm learning how to be a mom of the last kid and I'm doing very medium at it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I did want to just mention me camp. Me camp is this spectacular thing that I started doing honestly accidentally in 2021 when I found a camp for Remy to go to, which is almost four weeks long in the summer. And it was just, I was looking for anything for her, anything we were not, that was not a good year. And that was COVID year. That was divorce year. It was, well, disastrous to be honest with you. And uh, we were not okay. And she was not okay. So I found this camp for her after doing a bunch of research with a bunch of filters. And it was in Maine of all things. And because she was so fragile at the time, I wanted to do anything to set her up for recovery and for success. I just said, 
how about this is in May. Like if you know anything about signing up for camp, you usually sign up a week, a year ahead. So this is in May for a July camp. And I said, okay, look, honey, what if while you're at Maine team camp, what if I just go to Maine? Uh, I don't know where, I don't know anything about Maine, but what if I find a place and I stay there and I'm just there so that if you need me for the whole time that you're at camp, I could be there in an hour. I just get my car and be there. Something about providing that emotional safety net under her. So then she was like, oh my gosh, yes. And then I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Where do I stay in Maine? What what on earth? So I just been, again, back to the internet community, which has never failed me. And I'm like, internet, do you know anything about a place to stay in Maine for essentially the month of July? Which is how I got connected with my friend, Krista, new friend at the time, who had a house she was renovating in Bar Harbor, Maine. And she's like, it's not quite ready, but you are welcome. It was huge. It was a three-story converted convent. I You'll have to go back in my stories and look because it was spectacular. So I stayed there for a month with the construction workers, with the tile guy, with even her family in and out sometimes as they were coming to check on the house. <laughs> anyway, I called it me camp because Remy was at camp and then I was at camp. And turns out she didn't need me at all. Camp really was the beginning of the uptick for her. That was That was the turning point out of the darkness. And, and it was for me too. It was for me too. That was just one year exactly after, you know, my husband moved out and I traveled by myself. I spent almost the entire time in Bar Harbor, Maine, all by myself and talk about an experience. It was so profound for me that I've done it every summer since. So the following summer, I went to a little town on Lake Superior called Grand Marais, Minnesota. And I was there for a month. And then just this last year, I went to the sweetest little town called Lambertville, New Jersey. It's right on the Delaware River. Just on the just across the way is its little adorable sister town called New Hope, Pennsylvania. And I stayed there for the month of July. So to me, that feels, I don't know. I think I feel proud of it. I don't know if that's a weird thing to say, but I just feel proud that my life crumbled to such shreds, but it didn't break me. You know, I still was smart and I was still here and I was still alive and I was, I still had goodness. And the fact that I could just sort of travel alone for that long and enjoy my own company and not be self-conscious and not, which just felt like, a stake in the ground, like, okay, all right, I'm doing okay. And I had it in me to survive this and to even recover. And I'm grateful as we finish here about what it means to recover. In fact, I put a bunch, a lot of my areas in which I had to learn and start over turned into a me course. What I didn't know anything about money and finances. And now I know so much because I had to. We did a, a me course on that. We, there's a me course on sex. There is a me course on parenting. Like really, it's just stuff that I, I learned the hard way and by doing and by experiencing, which is really the, that was kind of the inspiration behind the whole me course library. But I just want to remind anybody listening that has had a hard year this that recovery is slow and it's kind of one inch by inch. There isn't a magic pill to take. There isn't just, you do this thing and then bam, you're on the other side of it. That's not how grief works. That's not how recovery works. But if you're willing to just dig down deep and win your story inch by inch, Conversation by conversation, therapy appointment by therapy appointment, Pilates class by Pilates class, walk around the block by walk around the block, journal entry by journal entry, apology by apology, forgiveness by forgiveness. It's all just so slow, but all together, it delivers us 
into the better versions of who we always were, who we could be. And I'm grateful. I really am. I am able to say now I'm so grateful for every hard thing that I've experienced in the last three years because I'm better for it. I'm a better friend. I'm a better partner. I'm a better mom. I'm just a better me. And my relationship with me is so much better. My relationship with myself is so strong. Like I trust myself now. I care about myself in a way that's nurturing and loving, which is new. I believe my own instincts. I am not afraid to say what I want or think. I think I'm kinder and more careful with people's hearts than I was. And those are all beautiful blessings that came out of hot garbage. and. That's how life works. So sorry. But for those of you sludging through when you're still, you know, digging it out a spoonful of dirt at a time, just keep going. This all counts. Really, it all counts. Everything you're doing, every teeny little moment that holds within it grace or hope or strength or outright joy, every single moment matters. And it connects itself to the next little single moment. And then those connect themselves to the next moment. And before you know it, you've moved around the track a little bit, right? You're like, you're down the road. And so don't despise the small things as you work to heal, as you work to grow, as you work yourself into new dreams and new big ideas, even new relationships, perhaps or deeper into the ones that you have. This is a long game. And I believe in your capacity to play it well. And so it won't be fast for sure, but it will be important and it will be meaningful. And every little thing you are doing to learn and deepen and soften, it all counts. It all counts. And so I'm proud of you. And I see you doing that. I'm writing about this right now. Last little bit, writing a new book. And it is very different from any book I've ever written. Very different. So much so that it gives me anxiety that I have a panic about, about once a day. Like I, I don't know, but my agent, Margaret told me something at the very beginning when I had written nothing yet, but told her this is where I want to go and how I want to do it. She said, Jen, keep going. And she said, save nothing for the swim home. And I thought about that so much since save nothing for the swim home, swim as hard and as fast as you can out to the middle of the ocean. And don't worry about the return yet. Let's leave it all out. And so I feel myself swimming out to the middle of the ocean and it feels a little bit terrifying, which tells me I'm probably on the right track. So that's, that's 2024's big project and I'm writing it right now and it feels profound at the end of my fingertips. And so more on that for sure next year, it's, you know, my greatest joy is that's my favorite thing. That's my favorite thing. I'm a writer first and writing books for you is where I feel like I'm in the pocket of my life the most. So I'm going to, I'm going to save nothing for this one home guys. and. I already know because you've proven it over and over and over that this community is the softest place to land with the hardest stories to tell. So you too, save nothing for this one home team. I am so grateful for you. I'm grateful for this show and for Laura and Abby and her entire team at Four Eyes. That's my producer since day one of the podcast for my assistant, Amanda, who's an invaluable podcast partner and brainstormer and helper, my team over at the Chandy group who makes everything I do possible. Genuinely. I want you to know how much we love you. I really do. I want you to know that how much we talk about you, how closely we are pay attention to what you say, do need and want, how deeply we brainstorm about how to serve you best. 
what conversations to put in front of you, what guests to introduce you to. You are the beating heart of what we do. And I'm just thankful for you. I really am. Thank you. Thank you for being a listener. Thank you for being loyal to this show and to me and to this community. You've just, you know, changed my life. And so here at the end of 2023, I want you to hear that from me, that I am thankful for you. And thank you for being with me when everything was coming up roses. And thank you for being there for me when everything was scorched earth. And thank you for being there with me as it all starts to rebuild and renew. I couldn't ask for more. I really couldn't. Makes me want to cry. So much love to you, dear ones. Happy 2023. For the parts that were hard and disappointing and sad, I'm so sorry. And I'll hold your stories with tender hands. I really do. And for the parts that were full of joy and life and possibility, I'm so grateful right alongside of you. Grateful for the, for the joys that you have in your life. And you are definitely one of mine. So on that note, and with all my love, see you next year. The For the Love podcast with Jen Hatmaker is a presentation of Odyssey and produced by Four Eyes Media with Laura Neitzling, producer, Abby Stevens, production director, Gregory DeMario, production assistant, and Lauren Winfield, researcher. Odyssey's executive producers are Jenna Weiss-Berman and Leah Reese-Dennis. Special thanks to the team at Odyssey, Maura Curran, Melissa Wester, Matt Casey, Kate Hutchinson, Eric Donnelly, Aaron Constantino, Kurt Courtney, and Hilary Schupf. Listen and follow For the Love, an Odyssey podcast produced by Four Eyes Media on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a production of Four Eyes Media.